This is CliffCentral.com. It's 10 o'clock here on Frankly Speaking. Second hour, we are speaking about the decolonization of corporates. What needs to happen in our corporates, in corporate South Africa for decol? You know what I think needs to happen, Rory? Mm. I think more uh, more CEO sleep out should happen there. Eh? I think that's what needs to happen in corporates because that really makes people understand what the homeless plight is. You know, that's really good understanding. <laughs> Stop there. hating on those. Oh, you're still on that. We I'm did that show that. last year. You're still <laughs> you're still hating on the CEO sleep out. And we will again do another show on the CEO <laughs> sleep out. You know? oh my anyway, God. the show is not about the CEO sleep out. We're discussing the decolonization project. Of course, we saw how uh, 2015 was dubbed. This, the year of the student, uh, the year where students embrace their power of youth and idealism to effect real disruptive change on the socio political and economic context of South Africa and the deep inequalities that characterize it. And, and the question is should young professionals be taking that, ex- that, that struggle into the corporate space and being a lot more militant about how we deal with decolonization? Some of our guests have already said, Ferial Hafiji spoke earlier and, uh, and discussed. What does this colonization look like? We've got some guests that believe that it's problematic to use certain words and terms. And, and I just want to bring, to bring uh, Arti in here again. Arti, you know, and we're really butchering your name and it really bugs me. Um, um, but uh, yeah, it please. It's Ar- Ar- say it. Arti. Arti. Yeah. So, one so, point for the white guy in terms of pronunciation. <laughs> just wanted to say that. Huh? One point. One point. I am on the. Uh, recognize me. <laughs> <laughs> recognize me. I'm on the mic. Ish. Mlung. <laughs> so, 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 Ati, is, is there a contradiction in values between uh, the younger generation demanding transformation and the older generation calling for a slower, more gentle process? And, and how do we recogni- reconcile the two? And, and maybe to add to that generational difference, is there also just a difference between black and white, which you say we shouldn't be focusing on, just in terms of uh, the values around what this means and represents? When it, when it comes to values, every single person already is ingrained from their cultural perspective, um, different understandings of value. If you look at corporate environments, values have are very westernized. They've been created by a certain group of people who've gone away and come back and then try to instill those values upon an entire organization without taking into account the diversities of the people, the understanding of those values and what it means within a corporate or business etiquette. What we need to do and and where I see young people actually creating chaos and creating change is for them to sit around the table with the management teams, with people and sitting down and saying, what does values mean to you? What is your understanding of it? Let us come together with a common vision of values. How? What are the characteristics of it? What is your perception? What is remembering that language changes the understanding of anything that is said. English is a very precise language. And if you're coming from the from Eastern African cultures, there is there is a different softer version and understanding of of anything that is said in terms of the way we interact with each other, the the from the tone, um, from the things that we say. So when we're sitting with values and you say to somebody from an organizational perspective, we need professionalism and we need integrity and we need hard working, what does that mean to you? Does that mean coming to work on time? Which means that in the African perspective, and I'm being very specific, in the African perspective, person comes first. 
So if my, if my neighbor is in trouble, I'm going to put that person first. I'm not going to pitch up at that meeting on time, but what I've done is I've put the person first. Now, from a corporate perspective, you've now disrespected me by not being on time, which means you lack integrity, you lack hard work, and now you're not professional. So the understanding of values needs to be across the board, and it's common. So if we sit around the table and we discuss our understanding, the only way we're going to get to that point is by communicating. And if you look at the hierarchical structure of corporate environments, people have got a lot of respect for anybody with a title, which means we're afraid to speak up or to dispute something that is said, which means that we don't actually speak our minds and we're not clear. A lot of people will not say exactly what they mean. We actually work around things to make each other feel better so that we don't come across as racist. We don't come across as we, we're, we're insulting somebody with a generational gap or a diversity or, or a disability or a language group. We're so busy feeling sorry for ourselves. And, and trying to cover up to make other people feel better about themselves. We're not actually saying how we truly feel. All right. I want to bring in some of our, our listeners here as well uh, who are hitting us up on Twitter at Rory uh, Shabalala or at Yewo underscore L-E-V-Y. Levy, uh, Des Empire. Uh, Sandy, uh, Sandy of Jakes says, uh, how do young professionals pursue decolonization in corporate South Africa without jeopardizing their impro- employment practically? Tsboko, I think this, this comes to you because I think one of the interesting things that both, uh, you and Komoto mentioned was it's not just about getting a bursary, but then it's about what support is being given in corporates, um, for the black employee to make sure that, you know, this Western culture that that comes from overseas uh, is understood and is also localized. What, what, what could a young black professional do to decolonize their corporate without getting fired or the warning letters? That's a very difficult question because I think you probably would get fired and get warning letters. <laughs> and I think therein lies the problem. It's a, it's a structural issue. Um, corporate SA is not designed for that type of thing to actually happen. And, and maybe if, if you allow me to, to indulge you around some of the thinking from the YPF around some of the initiatives. And it's 10 points, but I'll, I'll try to keep them brief. Um, so here we go. So one of the things that we'd like to see is a structure which is a, a junior board. So within every corporate, there should be a representative structure which essentially functions as a, as a youth board. And it would be comprised of 80% of black people, uh, females and men, um, equally represented as well as white males and females. Because I think there's a, there's a conversation that is being had by black people where white people are not listening. Um, white consciousness and black consciousness are equally as important in the current um, discourse of this country. So that junior board becomes critical because it says it deals with the succession planning issue and it exposes young black professionals to what it feels like to make decisions that impact an organization. Second thing is around uh, um, private-public partnerships. I think every professional should have an opportunity to work in government because we make a lot of, we cast all sorts of aspersions around what government is doing and where they're failing and we are quick to jump on Twitter and social media to say government is not delivering but we don't understand the complexity of that space. So for me, I would love to see a, 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 a time where 
professionals, black, white, Indian, colored, spend at least one to two years in some kind of government role. And vice versa, where civil servants spend at least one or two years in a corporate so that we can start to unpack some of these issues um, that exist within these two paradigms. The third thing is around corporate funding student loans. I don't think that leaving varsity and having a student loan hanging over your head is progressive. If I'm going to join a bank and they value me as an individual and the investment that I'm going to make in that environment, they should invest by paying my student loan so that I can start on a clean slate and start operating at a level where the rest of my white colleagues are operating. The fourth thing is I think we need to create a fund for postgraduate uh, students. Um, I think it's critical that we build skills among young black professionals. You know, to get an MBA or do a CFA or one of these very, you know, astute uh, learning programs is very expensive. And it, it limits people from becoming trained technically and being exposed to that world of, 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 of learning. So I think there should be a fund that says if you want to go and study for an MBA, we're going to allow you to go and do that. And that, that should be created. The whole adopt a school and adopt a municipality thing is critical. That is where service delivery is probably the most um, important. Education, we're pumping money every single year, more and more. We're pumping money, but we're not getting the results. And I think Corporate SA has got some innovative ways in terms of processes, systems that can facilitate um, you know, business outcomes or social outcomes. And they should come in at municipality level and school level to deliver value for the citizens. Enterprise and supply development. Goodness me, guys, this is where life, this is where we should be focusing maybe 70% of our energy, making sure that black-owned businesses are able to find opportunities and be groomed to do more and grow into medium enterprises that can hire people. Corporate SA is not where employment is happening. I would argue that SMEs are probably hiring most people in this country than anyone. Therefore, why are we not bolstering those particular entities? And therefore, the stick and carrot approach, we should now use the stick. If you're not adhering to enterprise and supply development targets, you should not just get a fine of 2% of your national, of your net profit after tax. You should have a heftier fine than that. So enterprise and supply development. Number seven, I'm coming closer to the end, is business toolkit. I think young people, before they even enter university, should be exposed to what it means to run a business. It's too late. You know when you write your first business plan at the age of 26? You cannot compete with other countries. No wonder we are so low in our global um, you know, competitiveness uh, with regards to entrepreneurship. It's because we're teaching kids about leverage and business plans at the age of 26, 27. It should start at the age of 16, not only because we want them to start their own businesses, but the language of business will empower them to have conversations with colleagues within the space of, of, of work. Number eight is around um, the thinking around input factors that determine success in a corporate environment. At the moment, if you don't play golf, you probably are not going to do very well in certain environments. If you don't have super brew and you don't talk <laughs> like a, you know, an oak and you don't go to plate every now and then. Yeah, mate, plate boy. Brew, come on, eh? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What are you guys doing? Speaking the language of banking. Get on board, yeah. Okay, carry on. Yeah. But if, if you're not seen at the Baron after work, because you have to go home, you have to take a taxi at 4 o'clock to avoid the traffic. Those are key moments where success is defined. Mm. And if you're not in those moments, then you miss out from the opportunity of finding out mm. more about moving your career forward. So the input variables that define success in corporate South Africa need to change. Mm. The eighth 
or the ninth thing is around the shared uh, shared value business model. I think at the moment, corporate SA is still chasing profits. And until we can build an environment where corporate is responsible for their customers and the well-being of the stakeholders around their businesses, we've got a long way to go. I mean, every rural city or town that you go to, you see a, a shop, right? You see a pep and you see a Capitec. We should be holding those companies accountable to what they're investing in the communities where they are drawing money and building capital. So that's very critical. And the 10th thing is, um, is around spatial and geographic apartheid. I think the fact that we don't have a bank or a head office of a bank in Soweto or in Soshanguve is a travesty. If we're going to really, really transform this, this country, we need to do things so bold that you can open a, a, a place of work, um, within the area where people actually live. Um, you know, we've got young professionals traveling from Midrand and Pretoria from four o'clock in the morning to be at work at seven o'clock. It's ridiculous. You cannot compete with guys who stay in Morningside. And those are our 10 points that we're looking at. Mm, mm. Komoto, would you say that uh, these proposals, far-reaching proposals, very interesting, very creative, uh, but would you say they're radical enough? Uh, we, we certainly saw that uh, the students on campuses, uh, uh, they tried what might be regarded in inverted commas as a civilized approach. Yeah. They were not listened to. And eventually, um, and I think it was, uh, it was Dawuk again who said um, that uh, corporate space is not actually designed for this sort of thing to happen and, and does not necessarily facilitate for, for, for the types of things that we're talking about to actually happen. Um, and he even said, you are, you, you do it, you must just understand you will get fired, you will get your warning letters. Uh, but, uh, Given all of that, is that radical enough, or do we need to be to be doing something even more radical? I I wouldn't necessarily say I I have the answer to that, um, Rory. But I what I'll just say is that that is one of the most interesting ten point plans I've had. A whole lot of them. This advert is brought to you by the Young Professionals Forum. <laughs> Check them out on Facebook. Young Professionals Forum. Wow. If this is a, if this is the state of our country of young people, I'm very excited right now. Wow. Yeah, man, it's it's. I, I think I think it's very um, progressive. Um, Aussi Busi will most probably be the person to look at whether it's radical enough. I think the the, the, the word radical in a lot of ways is just used um, whenever people want to use it. What and what what exactly is it that we mean? I just want to take one point. Um, this one I found very interesting. It's the ninth point in the ten point plan. Um, corporate and and, and profit. I think one of one of the things that have um, happened, and which is why you have the outlook that we have, is that the whole idea of just chasing profit above and beyond what society looks like is the prime architecture of the apartheid system, where you have a whole lot of people working for a small group, and that in itself does not necessarily um, change society. So I think the outlook of the economic model also that we're using um, is, 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 is to be um, questioned. But I think this um, would be most probably relevant on that. Let let's bring uh, another guest before we get Sisbusi in on this uh, on that. Uh, let's let's bring Brian Moore in. He is the managing director of diversity training in South Africa. Brian Saubona Dumela Abshene. Ah, Saubona for to Hamburganja and Gwen. Ah, great, great for to Angelega Chloena. Ah, great for to Kialibuk in Tati. 
Brian, uh, welcome to the show. We're discussing um, uh, should should young professionals extend the decolonization project uh, into uh, corporate South Africa? You've been in the diversity training space for a long time, since 1995, in fact. Uh, what is it that initiatives such as diversity training have failed to achieve that to this day we are still struggling as we are with transformation, um, given the conversation that we're having? Surely, 20 years in, this conversation should not no longer be relevant, but uh, it continues to be relevant. So in all the work that you've been doing, why are we not there yet? Well, the first thing would be that uh, not that many corporate organizations are committing to diversity training. And uh, if you can only get to a small group of people, you can only make a small change. The other thing is the types of diversity training. Uh, There's diversity training that unites and there's diversity training that separates and there's diversity training that actually transforms the way people see each other and the way that they interact with each other. Um, And seriously, at the end of the day, we need to get to the point where we are able to build the human aspect of everything, recognizing the diversity, recognizing where people are coming from recognizing the cultures, the traditions, the religions. We need to actually transform at the level of our humanness. And um, that, I think, the most important part of that is that unless we can look at people as being people within the organization, though we are focused on creating more opportunities for all people from the relevant backgrounds, we still have to be able to look at a black professional and say, uh, we need uh, Sipo um, or Lungi. We need that person in this project team within the organization because often what happens is people are employed and um, then we can actually at corporate level say, well, we do have some blacks, you know. Please excuse the terminology. Um, but when it comes to the actual projects and the processes, the standard clan will get together and operate uh, as a team. Now, that clan, if I can just be a little clear on that, if it's a government um, organization, that clan may be all Zulu, um, or Tswana, or Pedi, or Shangan, uh, or sorry, Tsonga uh, speaking. So clans vary, and uh, one of the biggest challenges with that is you can arrive in a workplace as a Uh, a speaking person who really loves uh, pirates and will go all out uh, to be with pirates and you sit at a boardroom and at the end of the meeting the guys say oh I guess you didn't understand that uh, (laughs) what you have to do is this Mm. we need to get past that kind of culture yeah. To the, the, the point where we are so inclusive and so caring of where people come from, what they do, and how they communicate and understand and see things that we are able to decolonize but or make things more inclusive. Brian, how does that look like practically? How do we move uh, from, from the status quo right now and to a point where everybody is integrated and, and, and operating from this you know, single, single culture or single clan approach? What are some of the practical things that, uh, that we should be doing? Okay, I'd like to adopt Komotso. 
You want to I adopt Komoto? I want to adopt him. He is an absolutely brilliant young man. And, and the, the input from all of your panel today has been awesome. Um, the, the fact is that Komoto's 10-stage uh, Plan. No, no, that's the Boko. I'm really glad that you said. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that the Boko. Komoto is going to make your family pictures look uh, revolting. Thank you for the clarification, Brian. It's the Boko's ten-point plan. Adopt all of you guys because you all sound like such amazing and incredible people. The, the big thing here is until we sit down with willing corporates and find a way to include people in, uh, in the youth boards, in the succession planning, until we get people on board from corporate to go and try and dance and toy-toy and take radical action and, and, and burn down things and break things, how do we get together essentially – as a group of committed, caring South Africans, be we born here or uh, we've chosen to be here, to build a new corporate uh, society. One of the biggest uh, challenges out there is, or a couple of the biggest challenges, is that we have subconscious bias. There are people sitting in corporate right now that are choosing, interviewing, and selecting people that don't realize that even in their body language, in their language, in their eye contact, in simple little things like that, they are making judgments on the future of people from other cultures that are not actually true. There's also protective bias. Um, I think it was Tebocho talking about fear earlier on. Am I right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Fear, fear is not only um, something that affects people from an African background. There's also protective bias where white people are fearing the loss of everything that they have. So how do we find a way that we make this a unifying process where everybody wants to be on board, is delighted to be on board, and we transform the country together? Instead of laying this whole thing on top of all the young professionals, these young professionals are brilliant. They're fantastic. They're phenomenal. And they bring such wonderful input we need to make it inclusive transformation will not happen in isolation oh brian it's very interesting what you're saying uh it's uh, it's amazing that some corporates are taking this on i mean moody's the first thing they're doing is going through to uh naturena to uh downgrade uh, chiefs to junk status so they really are <laughs> taking it on which is fantastic uh brian Wow, I have a lot of pirates supporters. <laughs> They're looking at me like really. No, nothing, nothing. Brian, uh, there was a very interesting discussion and comment earlier about um, what do we do um, as young corporates practically so that we don't lose our jobs or get these uh, these letters. You know, if we if we want to raise something about how we believe that there's a bias in our company or there's a misjudgment or or wrongdoing based on tradition, culture, values, what, what advice would you give to young, potentially black corporates? What we need to do is we need to open the corporate up to be able to listen to and hear people from all backgrounds, not, not just young black professionals, but from all backgrounds, because a lot of these injustices have been going on for a long time. Uh, with 
various uh, and different groupings, be it on re- the basis of religion or color or race or ancestry, uh, there's, there's been that. We need to actually open up corporates to be able to allow their people to communicate to them. And as Arthur was saying, we need to have common values set by people from all of their, their different backgrounds because one value to one person is different to another. For example, in Namibia, integrity does not include honesty, especially if that honesty means you're going to let your friend down. Well, Brian, uh, let, let's bring let's bring uh, the guests in studio back into the conversation. Dabucho, you 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 seem eager to speak to to jump onto what Brian's saying. Yeah, I mean, Brian, I think you make some valid points, but I, I don't get the sense of urgency in in some of the language that you're using around. Um, you know, we need to approach corporate to the willing corporate. You know, it's that whole willing buyer, willing seller concept. Mm-hmm. I think for radical change. We need to, as young professionals, identify what our unit of power is. The, the, the good thing that Fees Must Fall did is, as a collective, they were able to say, if we stop going to classes, this is what is going to happen, and this is why people will start listening to us. And young professionals, I don't think, have got that common cause that binds them and that will allow them to actually have that unit of power. Secondly, I don't think we are emphasizing the area of vulnerability from a corporate point of view. If you're going to get someone to negotiate with you, you have to be able to hit them where it hurts. And I don't know if young professionals are ready, similar to what Julius Malema did when he marched to Santon and he threatened to go and sit in APSA. You know, if, if you make a bank dysfunctional for a number of days they start to lose money. And where you hit a corporate is you hit them in the pocket. Mm. And if young professionals are ready to see some of these changes, these drastic changes happening, they would need to be able to be ready to stand up for um, some of these uh, these causes that we've, we've, we've uh, proposed. Sisbusi, you've got a huge uh, membership base and Tebukhor and, 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 uh, rightly speaks uh, about uh, requiring us to take this to the next level perhaps uh, because you're not, that, that willingness is not, is not visible or at least demonstrated by, by corporates. Um, where are your members in all of this and is it high time that they occupied some of these uh, companies or just withdrew their labor in order to make sure that what we are asked, what we are demanding actually finally takes place because we've seen policies being put in place we have pleaded we have begged no visible change is happening is it high time that your membership goes and decides to occupy one of these uh, organizations until we see the changes that we want to see yeah no thanks uh, rory Uh, i don't know about withdrawing our labor i think we this is going to change but uh, we are going to do it from within, you know. And I think Brian hit the point in the head when he said that uh, the reason why Corporate South Africa is not transforming it's because there is a lack of commitment from Corporate South Africa to, 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 to transform. And he spoke about the issue of subconscious bias and protective bias, but there is an, another phenomenon of unconscious bias, which says that you are likely to advance that which looks like you. So, and this is the whole notion of wanting to be properly represented, you know, in corporate South Africa as black men 
teenagers because the likelihood is that we are going to uplift those that look like us. That is exactly the reason why 70% of corporate South Africa today is white, you know, at the top echelons and when their population is only 11%, you know, so it's the whole notion of, 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 of unconscious bias. Can I, and, can yeah, I, can sure. I challenge this? Sorry, Bussi. I just want to, I want to challenge maybe your thinking and Rory's thinking. Is, have we not seen any change in the top management? Like, I'm, I'm genuinely interested. Yeah. Is there no change yeah. at the moment? Because from what I'm seeing, there is, there is change. It might not be happening fast enough. And I think that's definitely something we need to discuss. But, but is change happening? Because I'm seeing a lot of black CEOs, black managers and MDs, but look, I'm an observer. Yeah. Uh, there is change, uh, but then it's, it's, it's not at the pace that uh, it should be at, Andrew. So when you look at the numbers as per the CE report in 2014, uh, there were 13.6, right? In 2004, 10 years ago, there were 12.6. Oh, wow, okay. So in top management, there's only been a 1% move. So that is totally not acceptable. What now, are there the is, time frames? What, I mean, what are we looking for? What What would success look like in terms of... BMF's timeframes for successful transformation? Actually, we think by now, you know, uh, we should not be where we are. Look, our, 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 our ultimate is to see a corporate South Africa that is representative of the demographics of South Africa. You know, uh, and I think maybe that is the mistake that we did, you know, in terms of not putting targets, not putting uh, timeframes. But maybe let me just hasten to say that the affirmative action blueprint that was used to create the Employment Equity Act that we have in the country today had these targets. But obviously all in the spirit of uh, uniting and of a rainbow nation and all of that, we're sitting with an Employment Equity Act, which is a watered down version of the affirmative action blueprint that the Black Management Forum put on the table of the Minister of Labor then, Titumboweni, to say that this is what we should implement to ensure that corporate South Africa looks like us. And maybe if I can just elaborate on the point of uh, are we, have we not seen change, you know, because there are a lot of black CEOs. Now, there is an interesting report that came out in September 2015, the Jack Hammer Executive Report, and it says that in the top 40 listed GSC companies, uh, in 2012, when the study was done, there were 15% black CEOs. And in 2015, when the study was done, there's only 10% black CEOs. So we're seeing a, tra- a phenomenon where transformation is in reverse. But when you look at the picture, you know, uh, uh, holistically, there is a lot of black executives. But then also we have found that these black executives are not sitting in the right positions because now this study has also sort of like come up with a roadmap to say that, you know, which positions or which functions should be the next CEO be sitting at. And those are the core functions. So we're talking about finance, we're talking about operations, we're talking about strategy, we're talking about sales, you know, and so forth. But our, a, lot, a lot of our black executives, and I honestly believe that this is by design, a lot of our black executives are sitting in stakeholder relations, mm-hmm. corporate, and there's nothing wrong with those, you know, positions. But then 
if we are deliberate about changing the status quo and as far as transformation landscape is concerned, we should be doing these interventions which are going to yield us the results. And I think this is where I agree with Debochor's point in as far as setting up a fund for, for, for post-graduate. But as soon as you have trained these people as well, give them the opportunities, you know, expose them to these positions where they'll be able to, you know, ultimately ascend to the corporate ladder. Don't, Corporate South Africa is currently sitting with a situation they are doing a lot of training, but it's really perpetual training without graduation. You are forever a training candidate as a black person. You know, you're taken from this training to that, to that. But you're never actually given the chance to say, now we think you're ripe and we think you, can, you are ready to take the pattern and, 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 and continue the race. So if you just joined us, it's frankly speaking, should young professionals take the responsibility for extending the decolonization project into corporate South Africa? Arti, I want to just uh, bring you back into the conversation here. Sispusi uh, here speaks about unconscious bias where you will select people who look like you. Now, you have obviously raised this thing that no, we actually need to move to a more human view where it does not matter what the color of your skin is. Uh, we, 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 we take you for the human that you are. Uh, how do we then move beyond the, 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 the shocking transformation statistics that, that have just been shared with us if we are not going to acknowledge people and are we not dehumanizing people by uh, refusing to see their color uh, as a first step? Sorry, I'm not looking at you, but... No problem. You know, one of the things that uh, listening to Busi and to our conversation that's just come to mind is that yes, we have to change the statistics of people in in positions of power. People who've never had the opportunity before need to be given the opportunity, but they also need to be given the skills to sustain that position. It is unfair to put people using EE and affirmative action and just throwing people into the into positions and then expect them to change the whole the whole organization to take the the organization to the next levels of economic growth. What we're doing is we're not partnering them with the right people. So in terms of when you're putting the right person in a position, regardless of the color of their skin, you also need to look at the fact that you need to give more opportunity to people who never had that opportunity before, right? So if you're looking at, and you're, we're being very specific, black, uh, black empowerment, yes, we should be increasing the amount of people in our country who've got access to those positions, access to more than they had before, but then also give them the skills. That, that allows them to do so. We're saying that, you know, young black people are always being, tra- they're training candidates. What we also need to do is see a proactive, uh, a proactive side to people who are trained who start to say, I am ready. So don't just throw people in who've been trained and say, well, you look like you should have the ability to do this based on the fact that you've had all the training. No, what about the experience? If we can partner people in the right way with experience, we're not getting rid of people based on the color of their skin. What we're saying is you've had access to all these opportunities before. Share your knowledge, experience, and wisdom with people who deserve to grow deserve to move forward. And what I'm saying is that there may be change 
and it's happening slowly in terms of developing people and putting them into positions. What I'm not seeing is a transformation of the mindsets of people to develop and sustain their change and to help to grow each other. When I'm talking about the compassionate side, I'm saying, look at this person who wants that opportunity, who's hungry for that opportunity. Give them the opportunity, but then also support them to grow in that position. Yeah, on that, uh, Ati speaks about uh, uh, giving them the skills and growing them. But uh, you would know as, as a business person, but also as a young professional, that it's all about relationships. So we see, for example, in some of the professional services firms uh, that uh, it's one thing to become a black partner, but then where are you going to get the business that keeps you? performing at the highest levels of being partner and uh, ultimately where you get the business is through your personal relationships it's on the golf course so i can give you all the skills you can have an mba you can have your cfa and have all of the technical skills but simply not have the relationships that enable you to be the rainmaker in an organization how do we deal with that is the because now you're you're getting into the space of trying to legislate who people can be friends with and not and therein lies the concept of joint outcomes. Mm. The people who own those relationships, it must be incumbent upon them to make sure that the business gets done. Um, it can't be that just because I have a relationship with a specific person and therefore I can bring business that will benefit my targets means that I'm doing my job. It must be that if Tebukho is linked to an Andrew in, and Andrew owns the relationship, it is their joint uh, requirements to bring the business in. Even if... Andrew's job is to be a client manager and to facilitate the relationship, but he must make sure he takes the Wuhu to those meetings so that that relationship can start to be embedded and um, beyond just that that um, the the one on one it can be a two on one so I think that that's a key thing but secondly, I think um it lies in the fact that we haven't transformed the economy as it exists because your customers is where the buying power sits. And for as long as your customer is a white male, then we're perpetuating the system where a client manager must be a white male and the belief that you have to be a white male to speak to another white male. If we're talking about value creation, if my solution that I'm bringing to the table is something that you need as a customer, that ought to be enough. Brian, uh, are you still there? Yep, I'm still here. Uh, how do we make this happen? So, so this this idea of joint outcomes that Tabucho, your adopted son, uh, has just uh, presented. <laughs> uh, how do we make that joint outcomes thing uh, real? And and how do you st- sort of start to bring your 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 mentors and so your mentees at least into those circles and allow them to also. Uh, a benefit from that or should they be out there hunting their own and growing their own network and, and, and stop bothering you about your network okay the important thing that we need to recognize here is that uh, working with different content um, contacts and building business is not dependent upon white people who just know white people there's got to be a, a deeper involvement for example, if you want to grow your business, you can't just grow it with people who happen to be from a certain background. And you need to use the the option of uh, almost a joint responsibility where the person who happens to be pale in nature also gets involved and invited out to uh, the various uh, clients of the person who is not a person from a black background, for example. Uh, back about 10 years ago, FNB 
packed all of their managers into taxis at Baraguanath and gave them different um, tools. Uh, one friend of mine was given a broom and he was sent to an address in Soweto on a, a taxi. They had to live for the weekend and experience the life of the person in the actual township. And if they needed to find him, they just said, uh, where's the umlungu with the umshanad? <laughs> so <laughs> the, the transformational effect on these guys was unbelievable because they got to experience life at the level of people uh, in the communities as such. To, to, to the point of cooking food, peeling potatoes, sweeping the floors, doing anything that any normal family member would, would do. Let me let so, me bring Andrew in here because he loves hating on uh, CEO Sleepout. Andrew, is that not akin to CEO Sleepout? Uh, CEO sleeping in the streets and all of a sudden they have some experience of uh, life as uh, as a homeless person. Jeez, um, <clears throat> I Brian. So so um, the answer to that is I felt very uncomfortable when you said that. Um, not because you said it, but because of F&B hoping that this would then lead the change of cultural diversity within their corporate. I, I don't think that's going to make a difference. Like, yeah. it, you know, I think for me, and this is just me personally, I think that that is akin to the idea of a motivational speaker coming in, motivating a whole crowd and then pissing off to wherever they come from. Uh, you know, uh, what's it, JT Fox coming into South Africa, giving a whole bunch of motivation, then bouncing back to the States and leaving people with this hope that is false, this ideas that are false. Um, because, just because you picked up a broom for one weekend doesn't mean you understand anyone better. But having said that, perhaps that's the start. I don't know. Um, Andrew, that's thanks very I'm much thinking. for that. I mean, it's a great input. However, this, the program that was run was not just that aspect. Uh, there was a hell of a lot more to it. And the people that I know who went on that program experienced unbelievable change and acted in totally different ways to the general management and unless we get to the point where we know each other, understand each other, and grow each other, we will struggle. Mm. That's, uh, that's Brian Moore joining us on Skype, uh, discussing, frankly speaking, should young professionals take responsibility for extending the decolonization project into corporate South Africa? Uh, uh, Komutso, you, we, we, we saw that young professionals, when the fees must fall, protests began and and even as they were going on a lot of young professionals were in support and said yes uh, these students are continu continuing where we failed and where we left off um, now the question is are young black professionals hypocrites in this regard because after lending their support on facebook they still go into the same untransformed okay. corporates and fail to 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 make the changes that they are busy uh, uh congratulating the students for making uh, the, the, the real fact is that these students are delaying their own progress in life by shutting down the universities they are putting their own futures on the line by getting arrested and getting criminal records um, and, and we as young professionals sit back and congratulate them and urge them on and yet we're not willing to put our own livelihoods and our own careers on the line are young black professionals hypocrites in this regard Thanks for that question, man. It's it's actually, to tell you the truth, it's a question I've been thinking about um, just as the comments were being made. And I think it links to what um, Sisbuze and Arti mentioned. 
I think in a lot of ways what has happened is that um, the the good blacks, you know, the, the new uh, blacks. Who are these good blacks? <laughs> the new, no. these new elites, um, like people who just good joined COP. And leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> people who just um, joined um, like corporate have... There's been this assimilation process, what I would I would call it. Like I'm getting into this, and now I'm part of the crew. I work in these spaces, and this is good enough. You know what I mean? Um, and I've I've said this a number of times that one of the reasons why we saw um, the the nation just rise into what happened when these protests hit um, your UCT, your VITS, um, and uh, University of Pretoria because these are closer. These are much closer to the elite part of our country. So when you start hitting this this, this like these universities, which many of the um, people who run corporate South Africa, this is where they were educated. It's not necessarily the case with TUT and and UK. So I think to, to your point, I think people need to be a bit more bold and speak to what um, they, they're trying to say they stand for. It's, it's really one thing to just post about something and go back to, to, to your nice, comfortable life. People, people put their studies, as you say. People put their future on the line. to change. And this is not just for one, one, one team. So to come out and be like, yes, this is great and all this stuff, and then you, you, you come back. And just one point I want to make is that we need to be politically conscious of not seeing ourselves as a separate group. Um, it's a costly exercise if we're going to go through that because at some point you will realize that um, if you are just this small group that has access to these spaces that have not been transformed, at some point you do realize that um, you're not necessarily a part of it. And that's when you go back to seek the support of the others. And by that time, some may be like, okay, you've left us for too long. Do it with those you've been doing it with. Uh, there's a huge difference between a person who's employed uh, in corporate and a person who's a student who has nothing to lose. A person employed in a cor- corporate is, is being molded as an individual, working on individual sex successes uh, with all the ind- individual trappings that go with that, the car, the house, whatever it may be there's a huge difference between what can be lost and also the actual playing field is not equal perhaps as a suggestion the students should be standing up to prepare the corporates for what they need when they arrive there and perhaps that needs to be led by some young professionals Debza, uh, so th- that's what Brian is saying. Komutso is also pontificating here. I asked a very simple question: <laughs> Are young prof- black young professionals hypocrites uh, in in, the, in this instance? Uh, Brian says, "Well, students have nothing to lose, uh, and that is why they're able to do this. Uh, but uh, surely they've got their their, their futures to lose." Uh, we did a show the other time called uh, "Dissecting Black Anger." We had a student here who had been arrested and now has a criminal record. He was studying law. He will never get the opportunity to practice law because of his demonstrations. Uh, so they're putting their lives, I think, on the line here. Uh, should young professionals not be joining joining suit? Uh, and, and are they hypocrites for, for, for just sitting back, 
definitely supporting. So it would be one thing if they said, oh, we disagree with what the students are doing. But they're coming out and they're saying, yes, the students are right. They're doing the right thing. But they will not put their jobs on the line in order to make sure that we transform corporate South Africa. Are they hypocrites? Absolutely. That, that includes myself. Mm. Um, I don't want to, you know, step aside and, and because we are part of the same collective and part of being a leader and leadership is about taking accountability and then doing something about it. Mm. And I think, you know, the social media is a great innovation, but it has debilitated people's ability to be active. Um, you know, people say, that they support Fismas for, but they do it from the comfort of their iPhone in, in a lofty apartment or in their offices. Um, if they are truly supportive of Fismas for, they should have marched to union buildings on that day, which meant that it was taking unpaid leave. You were telling your boss to F off because this thing is, is, is so important to you and your existence that it's something that you're willing to back. You know, I had the pleasure and the honor. Truly to actually march to the union buildings And I don't agree with you Brian That students don't have a lot to lose I think they've got different uh, challenges And you know one of the kids that was on the Gao train Because we, we had to use the Gao train to get that side um, Was a doctor in his final year And he was saying that fees must fall Might affect his ability to graduate that year To become a doctor Now when a student makes that sacrifice You have to ask yourself um, Do they have nothing to lose And I think you know, young professionals have got a false sense of security around the jobs that they have and the places in which they live. They don't think about the fact that if this country burns, black angry youth are going to come knocking at their door to say, you've been waiting and not acting on making this country a better place. You know, the Santon Alexandra syndrome is a real one. The, the guys who are staying in apartments in Morningside, one day it's going to happen that guys from Alexandra Phase 4 are going to walk across that highway and are going to knock on your door. Yes, I'm talking to you, young black professional. And they're going to say, you are just as privileged as the people that we are fighting against because you haven't done anything to represent our cause. And the other sense of security that might fall away is you might lose your job. It's all well and good for as long as we are not retrenching or restructuring. Mm. But the day that they start restructuring the basic skills, you know, your entry level workers, middle management, you are the first to go. And with junk status looming, we're going to start seeing more black young professionals becoming unemployed. And they will start to really feel what it feels like to be on the outside of a working system. So don't wait for that to happen. Work now to start making the change you want to see. Because that's what the Fismas Fall has been about. It's about being proactive and driving a vision rather than reacting on fear. Yo, so Tabucho comes out uh, and basically drops the mic right there and says, the, definitely young black professionals are hypocrites. Um, I guess that would include me. I don't know where that puts you, dude. Where, <laughs> where, where were you at Fismas Fall? Where were you? It was in Pretoria. You had no excuse. I had to ask you for directions, babe, it says. The fact that you need directions to your union building shows that I'm not even discussing. I'm not even discussing this with you. Uh, right. Uh, so let's land this uh, this uh, this plane. Uh, it's been it's been it's been a really hectic uh, con- conversation. Um, we have discussed uh, should young black professionals uh, extend the 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 
extend the decolonization project into corporate South Africa. We have had great guests. We've had Arti, uh, who's the founder of Key Leadership Institute. Uh, we've had uh, the rebel rouser, uh, the great contributor, uh, the legend, uh, the man from Siabuswa, uh, uh, Komotso Ntuli. We've had Tabo Lucy. Uh, the, the founder and chairperson of the Young Professionals Forum. And we've had Sis Busi Mavuso, who is the acting managing director of uh, the Black Management Forum. Not forgetting Brian Moore, uh, who is the founder and managing director of diversity training in South Africa. Now, to wrap up, uh, how do we move forward? Uh, you know, I was saying before the show to some of you that for me, this is simple. Let's just go back wild. Just uh, turn the tables over uh, and and start afresh. Maybe that is what we need. W- will that not just get us to a point? Because it's just tiring. We've been speaking for 20 years uh, and, and, and it doesn't look like there's willingness to really take it forward. And if we don't do it, somebody else with more nefarious uh, 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 motivations might actually take control of the revolution and take it in a direction that we might be afraid of. Uh, should we not be just pushing for much more radical things? Andrew has spoken about what they're doing at Umuzi and, and, and the decolonized project and just the radical things that are beginning to happen there. Should we not be going a lot more radical in order to make sure that this change happens and happens urgently as has been, as has been raised? Uh, Sis Busi, your last comments. Yeah, thank you very much. I absolutely agree. I think it's time for more radical action. And as the Black Management Forum, I think that's where we're at. We're pushing for targets uh, because we have seen that the carrot approach is definitely not working. It's really about time that organizational cultures that are still white, elitist, and are resistant to transformation are changed, you know, because the status quo is absolutely not uh, 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 sustainable. And corporate South Africa really needs to unashamedly employ positive discrimination. And this, unfortunately, is the essential paradox inherent in affirmative action, that to get past discrimination, you have to discriminate, although fairly. And that is what we're calling corporate South Africa to do. And Tabucho, your 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 final comments. So so Sisbus is calling for something more radical uh, that needs to happen. She's talking numbers. She's talking targets uh, and and maybe quotas. Things that uh, we've had all along. Is that is that far enough? Or what else uh, would you suggest? Um, you've mentioned a ten point plan. Uh, is that radical enough? Do you think? I think it's a starting point um, And for me, attitude is everything So radicalism can become irresponsible If it's not couched within a specific plan um, For us to be radical It is to start with action first And that's why we've got this 10-point plan But also to change the language With which we interact with corporate I think we have to start uh, stop asking for favors Cap in hand And start to demonstrate why um, it's critical for the transformation ad- agenda to be embedded within uh, corporate culture. And if we don't get that buy-in, I think then it's time to turn the tables upside down because it's not sustainable. We cannot continue for another 21 years to operate in this fashion because the country, as in my view, is will burn. It will burn. Arti, you, you spoke about values and, and Tabucho speaks about uh, us needing to change the conversation. Uh, how do we change that conversation uh, in, in, in a minute? How do we change, or in 30 seconds, how do we begin to change that conversation at a values level so these things aren't just about ticking boxes but actually mean something? I think very simply emotional connection, communication, 
listening to each other. We need to stop hearing what each person is saying and start to actually listen to the deeper message. Mm. We need to start connecting and, and building each other. We need to start to understand and through respect bring hope that is sustainable. We need to build a value system within every organization that everybody's on board, everybody understands each other and start to respect each other in the mm. way each person wishes to be respected. Ate, just uh, uh, another comment. How do young people exercise their leadership in these organizations uh, without the titles to really make the change? What sort of values-based leadership can they exercise within their domains of influence? I think, you know what, the, the, the operative word is becoming influential. You, what I'm seeing is reaction. Very few people are responding. And what we're doing is res- reacting through anger. We're not responding through hope, through respect, and through understanding each other. Mm. And I think what we need to do in terms of values is communication. It's mm. as simple as that. Right. Brian, uh, communication is, is, is what Arti says. Uh, do you agree? In Jobo and say Tungelwe Ebanja, meaning that um, great things come out of people sitting together and talking and meeting. However, we need to get to the point where each and every South African takes up the roles and responsibilities of fighting for equality for all people, not looking just at themselves, but looking at ways that we can bring equality for all people. And that to me is the key. Komozo, uh, equality for all people, where does it start when we are currently unequal? How do we make that happen? And uh, how radical must we be in order to make sure it happens? I think, I think, Rusang, the point of departure is um, the point uh, Tebukho made uh, just before his last remarks that um, we shouldn't make the mistake of overlooking and um, taking for granted the struggles of poor people. Um, that sustainability of this country is centered on the inequality thing or the equality thereof. Mm. Just letting it be like this, as he said, you can't just live in a gated community. You can't just live separated from this. When people are hungry, when people don't have access Mm. to anything, they will come back to you Mm. and ask for it. Sometimes it may not be in the uh, best of, of ways or the most kind of ways. But yeah, that's my point. All right, uh, just uh, to to finish off and round off, we've got some interesting comments from our, our Facebook and WeChat uh, and Twitter listeners. Uh, Kaya says, some of us black professionals with degrees are working with the Chris Hearts of this world with zero qualifications but still earning more than us. What must can to happen? Um, <laughs> that's going to become a thing, Rory, I think. Eh? And uh, Kadua says... <laughs> Thank God for Penny Sparrow. If it wasn't for her, you guys wouldn't be gathered here today. That is another conversation <laughs> to be had all together. Rory, your final thoughts on uh, the decolonization of corporates? Uh, burn stuff up. Burn. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Hey. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, no, no. But I think it's it's very important that we, we, we just get more radical about this. Uh it's inexcusable that we are we are being we, we are taking half measures and we are not going all the way in terms of making sure that uh, what needs to happen happen. Of course, we do need to grow the pie, so we're not fighting over the limited uh, seats that are available, but continue to grow the pie. So I agree with the Young Professionals Forum. We need to build other businesses so that there's space for all of us uh, in this beautiful South Africa of ours, uh, and then we can eventually look at each other as human. I'm not sure I'm yet at the. We must start human now. 
but I think we will get there once we make sure that there's enough to to go around. Wow. Uh, no, I've got nothing to add to that. I think it's excellent. I think you, you mentioned it all. I, I think growing the pie is the biggest thing. We should build new economies. Uh, this idea of trying to fit everyone into a 10 million uh, person economy from the apartheid legacy is no good. We need to build the banks in Shoshunguva, in Soweto, in Mtata, uh, and, and regions beyond. Uh, that's how we're going to build South Africa. We need a 50 million person economy. Yeah. I like how Soshanguve featured prominently in here. So just thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. So thank you very much to all of you for joining us uh, on Wednesday. Uh, for uh, frankly speaking, thank you to Busima Vuso of the Black Management Forum, Debochomwa Lucy of uh, of the Young Professionals Forum, uh, Brian Moore of uh, Di- Diversity Training in South Africa, Ati Moore, the founder of Key Leadership Institute, uh, Komotson Tuli, uh, Rebel Rouser, and uh, an agent of change, and Ferial Hefiji, uh, the editor of City Press and the author of What If There Were No Whites in South Africa, and of course, thank. Thanks to you for joining us. Uh, see you next week. If you missed any of this, catch the podcast, www.cliffcentral.com forward slash frankly speaking. You know, things are changing in this world, eh? I just have to mention before we go, you kept on switching on the damn air conditioning. I'm freezing. <laughs> I'm freezing here. I seem to to have downloaded enough privilege now. I can now. <laughs> Let's get out of here and leave it. Ciao, ciao. This is cliffcentral.com.